welcome to the next episode of Splitting Cases, sponsored by Murray's Brewing. We're upstairs at the Hot Factory Hotel on Derby Street. It's closed upstairs and we've got the whole place to ourselves. The music's down, the lights are low. It's not necessarily romantic. I was hoping you weren't going to say romantic. I was hoping for some incense and candles, but you really didn't deliver. I'm not. No, I'm not going to deliver on that. We we did a little bit of a run around because a Sunday afternoon in Newcastle there was a few places closed that we originally banked on, but Uh, it was a variable. We we didn't hedge the right bets. I think it's safe to say. But our guest has had a decent afternoon running around himself. Uh, He's part of the Newcastle Writers Festival this year. He is a renaissance man of sorts, being... Um, a, a, what do you call the Renew Newcastle Project, your role in that? Founder. Like started found, it. Founder of the Renew Newcastle Project. <laughs> I, I have a title, which is... I think it's creative director, but it doesn't really mean anything. Oh, yeah, I always wonder what yeah. those titles are. And the title's they... a bit creative. No, yeah, it was just like, we just needed a word that explained that I wasn't the general manager because that was someone else, but I was still doing stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm the creative director of Renew Newcastle. <laughs> but you're amongst... a writer, you're an author, you've got a TV show now. I've had a TV show. Well, I've had a TV show. I've had a couple. Is yeah. it coming back? No, I don't think so. It's just a one thing. Yeah, I did. I did a couple a few years ago as well. But oh. uh, now that's uh, yeah, I think uh, you know it'll be on ice for another half a dozen years. And yeah, yeah. Do it yeah. again. Kind of sounds like you're the, the captain. Maybe <laughs> would be a better name than creative director. The captain of things. You're just steering the ship. Captain sounds good. I'll yeah. take that. Does yeah. it come with a hat? You could get an, well, I was about to say, you get an awesome hat. Yeah. Actually, next week I'm having uh, my birthday. It's a, a Beat Boys theme party at the Maritime Museum. And uh, my wife sent me a photo of herself yesterday and said, I bought you a captain's hat. So, funny you should mention, I was wearing it around this afternoon. You didn't bring it? I didn't bring it. I thought, what, what need do I have for a captain's hat? <laughs> have you actually mentioned my name? Marcus no. Westbury. I have not. <laughs> We've just, mentioned just all a check. Your, it's like a guess who type of thing. <laughs> yeah, that'd be Put good. Down. Do you have glasses? I do, yes. <laughs> you want to go through all of them? Do you have brown hair? Uh, probably. Although yeah. I must admit, there is a lot of creepy looking dudes in that guess who game. Um, yeah, totally. Like sex Actually, pest yeah. type looking dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a you the one come... that looks like a sex pest. All the cards <laughs> go down. You're like, okay, you're this dude. <laughs> and there's that Russian mafia dude that like looks like he's in the mafia. He's got like a yeah. hat. I swear to God, the guy who started it must have been like doing you know those police lineup illustrations, <laughs> you know, the etch- you know the sketches of you know wanted characters. He's like, he's just taking his like backlog file of those <laughs> and use them for guess who. Multi-purpose. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I-, I like that we were a couple of minutes in before introducing someone. That's yeah, good form on our that is on our good behalf. form. Pointy. Well Marcus Westbury, you do a hell of a lot of things, but you are Captain here for the Writers' Marcus Festival. Westbury. Captain Marcus yeah. Westbury, without the hat, which you'll need to get. Yeah. Can I borrow your Batman hat? Uh, for now, or? Well, well. Just, just, I feel like you, I, don't, I don't have a hat. If you're going to keep referring to it, I can borrow yours. You're wearing a hat. You don't need it. You're indoors. I'm indoors. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Captain and, Marcus And I mean, Westbury. I realise you guys wouldn't know if the hat actually changed heads, but it did. <laughs> just for authenticity. You, you, you need to come back and add a sound yeah. effect. You know? <laughs> I don't want the sound effect you add for a hat going on someone's head. <laughs> Right, you can have it back. I don't really. It's like some sort of crumpling sound, like. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's more of a whoosh for me. It's like a. I just feel like I'm safe now. I've got this hat on. Yeah. Okay. I get that. But your topic today is sort of completely unrelated to all the things you actually do, Captain. What is it? I'm going to talk about sport. And you guys are looking at each other, going, "Oh, this isn't working." Yeah. How well? How well versed are we in sport? Um, I played sport as a child, and I guess it taught me some. some lessons as a kid. I, th- I think it's probably good for kids. Um, I can't say I'm a sports fan to, to watch though. Like I just, I'm not competitive enough. No. Like I think you need to have that. I've got to win thing to enjoy watching sport. There's a drama though. There's just this like natural drama that sports just really good at generating random mm. bits of strange narrative drama that you don't really expect to see what happens. So you just sort of have to pick a story and follow that. I always find it's a good way of getting into it. But um, Yes, I'm, I'm the opposite. Like, I'm not very good at playing any kind of sport at all, but uh, spend an awful lot of time when I can get away with it watching sport mm. and as much as possible try to parlay whatever um, modest leverage I have somewhere else doing other things into excuses to do sports stuff. <laughs> well, let's be completely clear here. I am not good at playing sport either, so I'll just mm. clarify. I played sport as a kid. Right. So, um, so yeah, horrible, yeah. horrible playing sport. I play sport with my nephew. He beats me all the time. He's How old's your nephew? 11. Right. So. My son's five. Yeah. He's getting there. It's not going to be long. There. Yeah. My oldest is five. The other mm. one's two. He's got promise. I think he could, he could, he could be something. If they've got he energy and a natural cow. inclination, yeah. <laughs> they're good to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. I said. Yeah. I, I'm becoming one of those dads that is living <laughs> out his failed sporting ambitions through his children. And it's only a matter of time before I become that dad who's standing on the sideline 
yelling, you know, obscenities at the umpire and threatening them with violence. I, I think I'm going to be that guy. I've taken my nephew to many soccer games and there are always the couple of dads. That There's always that dad. Screaming. Yeah. I guess it's kind of infectious though. Like you kind of get caught up in it. Yeah. It's, like you probably it, don't mean to, but you it's, get. It's a bit up. problematic in the under sixes, you know. <laughs> like, like I sort of, I sort of, I, I have been known after a few drinks at a competitive sporting event, actually live and in person, when grown-ups are involved, to yell abuse at umpires and or the other team in the spirit of the contest. It's a little bit problematic in the combat, you know, in the under sixes, and you know, like, well, yeah. all, all of the kids are cowering behind, you know, a car on the other side of the field because that dad is so scaringly <laughs> abusive. Like, <laughs> when you're throwing like frozen oranges at people, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's time to go home. Oh. <laughs> Mm. Um, it'll come up because this is how I ended up actually realising I could enjoy watching sports but in my proper side job uh, I work in radio and I do a lot of sports teching for all the Newcastle A-League and uh, NRL see I'm jealous I want that job so basically (laughs) I get a season pass and I go and have to set up all the audio gear and tech it and run it and stand next to the two people commentating it and listen to everything they have to say I want that job so it's kind of just like <laughs> so it's kind of like osmosis that you've just been like this stuff's been seeping into. Yeah, well, you listen to it enough, and you have the headphones on, and you listen to the sideline and the discussion, and you're watching it because you're there. Mm. Over time, you go from not liking it to understanding it to going, oh, I can, I, I enjoy it. Do you start buying into the narrative? Like, I think the thing with sports when you start buying into the narrative, it's oh, like yeah. you know, it's like oh my god, oh, you know. I oh, played out of his skin this week after all he's been through for yeah. the last, you know, two months. You know, we weren't sure whether he was going to play or not. Now he's playing, and, and you know, that's they're the moments where you just go, "Oh right, oh god, yeah." And with that first, um, the first night's home game uh, a couple of weeks ago, with the two golden point, yes. two golden point sessions at the yeah. end, the tension that builds yeah. up in your body, and then the last Jets game was their last home game of the year in comparison to the first, where you had. A player from each team sent off with a red card for no apparent reason. <laughs> who are you? What? I don't know who this is. This is this is my this is my this is professional responsibility. My yeah, I, I have this in. I'm charged with this responsibility. Yes. Okay. I guess yeah. it's a burden you have to bear. I was worried though I'd be charged <laughs> with jaywalking because when we crossed the Fuck, road, it was here, hilarious. It was so good. The police just put on their their siren and I oh. just jaywalked across the road. And as they did it, I just jumped out of my skin. I like how your like default is that must be about me. Like that is amazing, really. But, I, like, but doesn't I, everyone do that when the police are around? Like I, I, like, I, I always like, find I'm just walking across the road. I, 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 like, surely I, they've I, got important things no, to do. No, I, I'm one of those people who like literally. If I see a group of like police walking towards me, or I have some like, some checkpoint or some some random thing you go through, yeah. I suddenly start filing through my brain, thinking of all the things they could possibly want me for. <laughs> and there's really not that many, but no. like you know, everyone's just like you know, like did you see the story about the guy who got arrested for the overdue copy of Freddy oh Got Fingered from 15 God. years ago? There was an outstanding yes. warrant for him like Whoa. I'm that guy like, I'm sure at some point they're going to pull me over and just like you know you yeah. know you know Fuck, Beverly Hills Cop 2 Beresfield Public Library that. I am sorry Beresfield Public Library I'm very sorry I have lots of your books and I also Francis Greenway High I'm sorry also yeah <laughs> I do feel like though when you walk towards a group of police even though you know you've done nothing wrong you start walking funny yeah very self-consciously yeah. you get like a weird I, I do exactly that. to it to it it's yeah. like Nothing to see here. It's creepy. Anyway, jumped right out of uh, is, is, is the most suspicious person the person who's walking funny because they're yeah, self-conscious like, about it? Wow. Or the person not walking this funny because they're super cool. assertive. Like he's got something to hide. <laughs> yeah. The point I was sort of getting to as more than how I got into sports was that um, starting early with the with the six-year-olds, like it's it's also the opposite that she went to that my niece went to that night's game. She's eight years old mm. and. She was like, I said, how'd you enjoy it? She's like, oh, it's really good. Everyone was booing the Canberra team. And I was like, really? Were you? She's like, oh, yeah, I joined them. I joined them. <laughs> Why? Do you not like the Canberra team? Oh, no, it was just fun. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I, I find that uh, inherently like problematic. But she just thought it was fun. I, I know. But like, don't you think that's kind of a strange thing to teach kids to go, us versus them? Like that's I don't the know. narrative. I know, I know it's the narrative, and I know that it probably comes from <sighs> yeah. a good place. But like, 
odd that just doesn't sit I, right with me. I think in the context of sport, it's mostly harmless. Like, I, I, yeah. th- I think it's, you know, it does depend. I had a funny, like, my son, so my oldest son is five, and he's been to, I'm, I'm a Mad King Newcastle Knights fan, he's been to, I think, three games? Hmm. Like, because uh, like, I, I mean, live in Melbourne, so there's only one a year game down yeah. there. And I, I'm missing it. it was yet- oh, I missed it this weekend. Oh, by virtue of being here. It was yesterday, which is oh, terrible. It's a fucking cruel twist of fate. It is a cruel <laughs> twist of fate. And it was a close, anyhow, that's yeah. a whole other story. But uh, he was there for last. Last year's game when they won really, really unexpectedly. Like, like, yeah. like they were they were coming dead last up against a team running third or fourth. The moment unexpectedly yeah. is how they win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was exactly. But you know, like you know, he at half time, like he start, like, we're sitting like we're surrounded by. And and one one thing to note about Melbourne Storm supporters is that they're disproportionately uh, Maoris or Pacific Islanders and eleven foot tall. Like, so <laughs> you're just surrounded by these you know scary, loud looking dudes. And so, so usually my strategy has always been when I've gone with my friends, not my son, is you know. Keep your voice down, occasionally cheer when Newcastle do something good and then, you know, shut the fuck up the rest of the time and hope that, you know, no one's going to pick on you, right? Not his strategy. At the age of five, he's like, at half time, he comes back and, you know, picks, finds the biggest, scariest, toughest look of guys in the crowd and just starts going up to him and going, We're winning, we're winning, Melbourne's not winning, Newcastle's winning. And it's like, oh my God, Isn't oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. a get out of jail free oh card though. It's like, come on, skip. They were all and this is the thing. I think when you get like the thing, the thing about most sports fans is they get it. Like that's just them in reverse. Like, they're all yeah. in the game. Like, these guys were like you know, like, like seven foot tall, so they all had fake purple mohawks. They yeah. were they were scary yeah. as all hell. But actually they were lovely. And so in the end I've got this great photo of him like you know, like the two of them just like, you know, standing next to him and he's like going, Yeah, we're and they're just looking. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's very funny. Nice Actually, guys. We had the same experience because we used to live in uh, Whangarei near Auckland in New Zealand. And every time, maybe once, twice a year, when the Knights would come and play the Warriors on home ground, we would literally be the only two red and blues. No one, no Knights fans travel over from. New I have, to I Auckland. have done that. Yeah. I oh, the, his first ever football game. I took him to Auckland. I managed oh, to really? work. This is this is how obsessed I get. Right. I managed to work a. Um, a uh, work trip. I had to go to New Zealand for a work trip. I had a bit of a choice about the dates. Mm. Picked the weekend that of the the uh, Knights game was on and went with my brother and uh, my son when he was about two. Oh, awesome. And we won and we came back from about 18-0. <laughs> were the, were Which, the only three with red and blue on? I don't remember seeing anyone else. Yeah. Except for one guy who comes up to me. You were just seeing red and blue anyway. <laughs> after you won, it's like, everything's red and blue. Except for one guy who comes up and whispers to me and says, I'm a Knights fan. <laughs> So I had to come here a few games a year, but I don't really like to, uh, you know, I don't really like to draw attention to myself. He was just wearing black. <laughs> Nobody could recognise him. Yeah, so that, apart from that guy. Yeah. Apart from that guy. Yeah, but same I think, experience. I think in Australia, I think on the whole, we don't take our sports that seriously. It's usually in pretty... Oh, not like the UK. Like, no, that's fucking like, that's really wrong. Like, you know, like that... that and yeah, I, like I, bashing people. Yeah, it's not good. Just, well, just they you know, like the idea team. that they physically separate the fans of the two separate teams when they come... I mean, half the fun. Yeah. If, you know, if, you, if you're, at a, you're at a sporting match and you're following a team and there's a bunch of people following the other team... There's often a really fun, witty banter. You know, like the songs are good. There's one up and ship. It's back and forth, and they get one up, and you get one up, and you go back and forth. But it's all in fairly good spirit. Like occasionally it crosses the line, but you know, yeah, it's usually in pretty good spirit. Yeah, I don't want to say anything inappropriate, but. And it kind of does sound inappropriate. But well, it's once just, you started with, I don't want to say anything inappropriate. But, but just, you know like, that's yeah, where you're yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of like it's gentle ribbing, right? Like yeah. you're just kind of pushing each other. But yeah. it's just all in good fun. Like you're not really trying to bash someone. Yeah. Hopefully. Oh, no. no. Hopefully. No. Hopefully. I'm trying to think. I've ever seen an actual violent incident at a sporting match. It doesn't to, seem to happen here. Like. I don't. I can't think of. I can't think of having seen one in person. I, in, I, I compared to various nights out at you know, yeah. cultural events and other things. I've seen people hit each other. Like it's you know it's partially, it's partially they're very policed environments. So that may be part of it. But uh, Sydney Wanderers A League fans throw flares onto the field mm. and they've had to move everyone out. But that's not really violence. Violence. It's just no. stupidity. And I, and I guess that's probably like a fair statement to say that if you get enough people in the same place probably doesn't matter what the theme is or what it's yeah. about yeah. there's going to be some idiots there there's yeah, always a use that as an excuse quotient. to do yeah. something so <laughs> yeah, it's probably yeah. not like about what the entertainment is could be yeah. anything could be going to watch the ballet but if you yeah. have that oh, many people ballet fans room, are the worst I don't know like, they I don't think they've ever been in a ballet riot yeah <laughs> <geez>. little bear <laughs> like, little bear in the car yeah. bear in the little car yeah oh man play some swan lake you wankers <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed 
faith that you're not like full AFL mad living in Melbourne. I have a story. I was going to go there. Yeah. Okay. But no, I was just thinking because you're a Knights fan and you're in Melbourne. Everyone loves AFL. Yeah, no, it took me a while. So I moved to Melbourne 14, so 2002. So I'd been there for about five years and then I decided I needed an AFL team. I I like most sports, so I was casually following the game. But the whole point of sport is you kind of need to have a team, right? You can't just... Need to invest in something. You need to invest in something. Yeah. You can't just like, yeah. I also follow this sport. Yeah. You know, I like this code. There, there, are all, <laughs> there are, I was literally having those conversations with you the Monday morning. You know, like you know, you'd go to. I mean, in Melbourne, the the extent to which AFL, AFL goes through the whole side. I meant to go to meetings with like senior gallery directors who <laughs> couldn't start the meeting because they had to talk about how Collingwood versus Carlton went on the weekend. You know, and it's just like, and I and I would literally be going, and I also am interested in this code, which was not a conversation starter. You sort of can't all the teams win. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, in 2007, I, this is my, an example of me parlaying my weird interest in all things, you know, my, my modest amount of media profile yeah. into sporting obsessions. I managed to get the ABC Drive Show in Melbourne to let me pick an AFL team by going f- to a game with a random fan oh of every God. single club. So you went to every code, every I team went game. to 16 games with 16 <laughs> random fans of every, crime. of every club in the AFL competition to pick a team to follow for life. Like, and, it was, and it was like, literally, I'd go into the drive show on a Friday and it'd be like, okay, so who... Uh, no, this week I want to go and see Carlton. Can I have a Carlton fan call in? Yeah. And off you go, and you've got no control. It was, it was actually a and really... Any weirdos or were so, they all so not? So you're yeah, kind of no, like just the atmosphere of those fans... And how the team play plus the atmosphere where you there were, wasn't like an object you, you don't do it by objective criteria you don't pick a team by sort of going you know you didn't have a I'm going to pick the one <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm going to pick the one that scores the most percent. points for you know you know volume of cheering quality <laughs> of cheers uh, you know you've got uh, an applause meter on. <laughs> uh, no no it's, it's a very sort of subjective thing and so you just uh, I mean on one level it was actually a really good thing to do because it introduced me to. It's very rare in your life that you just meet people who you don't necessarily have anything in common with. Like you yeah. know, you, you go and, and you know an AFL game is a couple of hours, so you, you're spending a few hours randomly with you know whether it's a family or a CEO of a company who's got a corporate box or whatever, yeah. and you're just thrown into the deep end. I quite I, for that reason I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it because there's a lot of stereotypes about different clubs, and you know, yeah. you know the supporters of this club are all feral, and supporters of that club are all you know all merchant bankers, and you know, and the, none of them conform to their stereotypes. <laughs> Um, and it was just a great, yeah, it was a great. I've got to admit, by about week twelve, it got pretty, you know. I've seen it all. <laughs> I don't need to see another game, but uh, yeah, it's great, great, great. Adventure. Where'd you end up landing? Well, see, the the thing was, I um, <laughs> uh, all the, there were a lot of teams I did like for different reasons. Yeah. Um, but I am a sucker for an underdog, and the night I went and saw the the afternoon or evening, I saw the Richmond Tigers. They suffered the worst ever loss in the history of the club. Oh, God. Okay. They got beaten by 170 points. I didn't even know you could score more than two, 200 in an AFL match, right? I'm used to watching A-League. You get either a 0-0 zero, <laughs> zero draw, one or two. It was 220 to 50 or 60 oh, or something crazy. Like, and it was the biggest Shut ever loss in like the history that. of the club. And it was, it was full on. Like, I, I was, you know... Um, and I was there with a microphone because we were recording it to turn into a little package on the yeah, Monday. Yeah. And it, it, I described at the time, it was like gate crashing a funeral. Like, you know, going up to people going, so, hey, how do you feel about the fact that your team's getting completely slaughtered? <laughs> Where did you come here from? Oh. Mount Isa. What, sorry, you flew here from Mount Isa for this? Oh, my God. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. We talk about insult to injury. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we bonded. In that very moment, I thought, I'm in this for a lifetime, not a good time. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I have been on the... Pretty shit Richmond bandwagon ever since. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I've really struggled to get into sport, and like I've got a ten-month-old son, so at some point I'm sure he's gonna want to play sport. Yeah, and I'm like, fuck, what sport can I do? And I played soccer as a kid, and I just spent the time like sitting on the grass, looking in the clouds when people were playing. <laughs> well, that's my <laughs> like, son. Everyone's like yelling at me, going, "Play, get him, get him!" And I'm like, that cloud's pretty. <laughs> I think um. Yeah, my, my son's five, and, and like I started, he we did summer cricket. Like they have kids' cricket just, just a couple of blocks down the road from us over the last summer, and he's that kid. 
And I'm pretty sure I was that kid as well. Like, uh, you know, just like, you know, like, you know, everyone else is coming into bowl and he's just sitting there going, wow, this grass is really yeah. interesting. <laughs> Throw it up, see what happens. It's like, oh, you know. And I, you know, as much as I'm trying to live out my failed sporting ambitions through my child, it's like, ah, oh, uh, it's a bit too much like me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but I, th- I think it's that thing. I think it's a good thing to learn, though. Like, yeah. I think it's good being like, part of a team you learn to lose and I think that's kind of a good yeah. thing like, I, I always think that that's the one thing I took out of playing sport was don't be a fucking arsehole if you win yeah yeah and also don't be fucking sour if you lose just go yep yeah, yeah. it's just a game because yeah. like I used to I used to remember just being like I don't know just so confused when people would crack it when they lost yeah I like, can get really angry I'm like didn't we just play a game for like, I don't know, an hour and a bit and we all had fun? Like, yeah, we lost, but, you know, someone had to lose. Not everyone was going to win. Yeah. So we had a 50-50 chance. That's not bad odds. He's, um, and I, I think I've got a bit of it myself. I don't like losing. And I think that's, but it does it does temper that. He, he does this thing where he walks into the house and we're playing, like, the sport on TV. And he'll go, who are you going for, Dad? And I, I'm, I'm a perennial underdog supporter. Like, whatever the sport is, I, I love an you underdog. You want to be back in the corner. Like, yeah, I just right. like, I just, like, I'm, I'm all, and the, hence my Richmond bonding in that moment because, you know, like, there were other teams I liked. Uh, I liked them a lot, but they seem to be doing pretty well. It's sort of cheating the week before the finals to just, like, jump on the bandwagon of one of the teams that might win the competition. And so, you know, just that idea, you sort of, you, the sport, you sort of have to suffer through the loss to appreciate it's part the, of the win. Journey. But he, he'll always come in and go, Dad, who's, who's winning? And I'm just like, uh, you know, tell him who's winning. He's going, all right, I'm going for them then. And then the other team starts winning. He goes, I'm going for them now. I'm like, uh, you're missing the point of this, you know? You've got to, you've got to ride all that. It's meant to be about the conviction, possibly blindly, but... Oh, yeah, you've got to spin that wheel. So you've got to support them if they're losing as well, if you're part of a team. My other sporting thing I've been doing recently, just to, you know, yeah. this conversation naturally goes there but um, other sporting thing I've been doing recently is a bit of casual cricket calling for white line wireless I don't know if you know they, they basically do this gorilla um, it's a few blocks from my house and I started yeah. by lending them gear and then they finally let me be on air <laughs> um, but uh, so they run this uh, sort of gorilla unsanctioned internet streaming cricket support service yeah. that is sponsored by a brewery and uh, you know, awesome and um, the trick is to kind of get as many weird-ass references to the... I won't name them because you've got another brewery. Yeah. Um, brewery into the call, you know? So, uh... Half the fun. It in. Yeah, yeah, half awesome. the fun. What creative the yeah. ways can I come up with to slip this in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know. Oh, hi, I'm just reporting from the sidelines from the, you know, <laughs> insert brewer's name here, hospitality tent. It's all going on down here. But uh, it's fun. Actually, hell of a lot Do you fun. know enough, you big enough cricket fan to call it? No. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, But I'm I'm very good at bullshitting on air. So like they need one person who can call. Like the the the, you would know the format, right? You sort of you need you need a caller who does the ball by ball and the person who provides the color, who's ideally an expert, but she's beggars can't be choosers. You know, as long as they're interesting and they say something funny. Um, I, I can be that guy. And then if you can have someone down on the side to unpack things really closely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's it's kind of... It, it, I, I mean, I think when you start to see... You don't, it takes a while... Like, when you see that stuff up close, you start to realise the conventions of how that stuff works. Oh, but, God, yeah. But uh, you don't always, as a casual person, tuning in, you know? No, no. I just imagine I'd be studying, like, those 12th man... Uh, I did all I that. that. I, 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 okay, I, I, I'm gonna get into this. I, I had to. I had to call. My first guy was calling an international women's cricket match between <laughs> Australia and Sri Lanka, and I'm just I'm no pressure. Yeah, yeah. I'm literally just fiercely sitting there googling. You know, like, <laughs> sorry, who's the fifth fifth batter for Do Sri you Lanka? Get, so, you, of course, because it's sort of like almost pirate radio, you wouldn't get a team sheet from like the people and. Uh, it's all online, it's like all online, you know, like yeah. and, and and there's a few of us. So you take turns, you know, you yeah. jump up. Someone else does it. You you basically do sort of four overs at a time. So yeah. someone else will jump up and do a shift. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm frantically googling, you know, just like I just need three. Give me a narrative. I, I, What's I, a narrative? Here? I need three facts about this, you know, batter for the for Sri Lanka. Oh, she plays for the Air Force team in you know uh, in domestic cricket in Sri Lanka. Well, you know, I can riff off that for half an hour. <laughs> Lots of Air Force jokes. We'll just One reference the Air Force. And we're done. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And then occasionally dispersed by moments of going, yeah, that's uh, you know, great bowling performance and/or batting performance. Mine yeah. would just be man in white pants hits <laughs> ball. Man in white pants throws ball. Except it was ladies cricket. You can't do that. Lady in white that pants would not, hits I, ball. That See, would not go down. You're already well. learning. Yeah. Sports person in white pants of 
any gender. It's coloured. Coloured. Coloured clothes. Exactly. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> For me, cricket is not the side. It's that just droning, buzzing sound that's in the background over summer. I actually love that about cricket. Like, I, I'm, a, I'm an old school cricket. That it's completely Ra- ignorable? No. Uh, for me, like particularly radio cricket commentary, I have, a, I have this really spectacularly hyperactive brain that just like, wants to jump from a thousand things to a thousand things to a thousand things. Um, radio cricket commentary is about as close as I can get to meditation. You know, there's, there's a level where you're just like, yeah. I'm just listening to the sound of three people talking about a game I cannot see and going into a thousand tangents and I can just be at a state somewhere above sleep and below actively thinking yeah. where that is nirvana for me. And that is not- so hilarious after the conversation we had last night with, with Chloe. Yeah. Um, with my wife, we were, like, as we talked about before, like down in Sydney mm. for the last Waltz Revisited and we were talking about how like I like listening to music loud oh, yeah and like earlier that day she'd said to me oh can you turn the music down it's too loud i can't hear myself think and i'm like oh i turn the music up like so specifically so i can't hear myself think. Think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and i'm like that's yeah. hilarious this is kind of for opposite things that we're doing this <laughs> oh man see my my wife actually understands more cricket than i do oh, oh no sorry why what? Those speeches that we're reading oh, this morning. Somehow we got down a rabbit hole of conversations and talked about people we know who had um, clearly Googled how to make groom speech. Oh. And so there were a whole heap of like... Uh, you mean like how to cause a train wreck? How basically. to cause... And it was yeah. a whole heap of like just generic groom speeches with wife and husband <laughs> and best so, ladies and all that kind of stuff there so you read them out without subbing anything it's quite funny, it's quite my, funny. I recommend it I, I, I'm, actually, I'm actually really proud of it my brother gave the best man speech at my wedding and he's just, he actually, actually he's cheating he ran off to Vegas and eloped but he's actually having a proper wedding um, here in September and yeah. he's asked me to return the favour and his speech was fucking awesome like, yeah. it's just one of those moments in my life where it's just like uh, there was just the, you know like absolutely nailed it like yeah. out of the park and anyone who was there it's just like your brother's speech is just incredible it really was I can't do, I'm not that good hey, and I've got this no. real severe performance anxiety about how I'm going to return the favour because everyone thinks that you are going to be awesome because you have the modest media profile <gasps> I've done I've done a wedding MC thing for my cousin where because I have um, radio experience and that kind of thing and I talk yeah. on the radio all the time he's like oh you'd be great at MCing I fully no! up I slammed right <laughs> I know I just stood staring at all these old people looking back at me oh. I was really bad at um, my mates Russ his wedding yeah. I was the best man I did a horrible speech it wasn't intentional yeah, yeah. it was just like uh, I, I'm 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 really good on a very narrow range of stuff. Like, you know, like if you get me talking about yeah. the very narrow range of stuff that yeah. I talk about all the time, I can come across reasonably convincing. Or you give me time to prepare, you oh, know. Yeah. But but if I'm like... Everyone has a special. If I'm a generic, like, you know, like people, I get asked to do MC stuff all the time. Like, mm. Come and MC this. I'm hopeless. The few times I've ever said yes, it has always been a train wreck. And it's a train wreck because I don't do small talk crap in front of a microphone. Yeah. I can't do it. I just like, you know... I lose it. It's all You're too hard. with an interactive environment as well. You don't want that. You don't want that pressure. No. But I think with your brother's speech, as long as you don't Google a generic insert wife's name, insert husband's name kind I, of thing. That, I didn't, I, I think to just, be honest, I didn't know this was an option until it's now. A, it's an I'm an now off to oh. Google this now. I think I think just start. With but it actually could be funny in a completely retro ironic, you know, yeah, kind of as like long as you just overdo the irony wife. kind of way. <laughs> you, yes. find, you find the right one. I would like to, to congratulate my. Brother Insert name <laughs> on finding his wife. Half of them aren't even my. It's just I would like to congratulate brother on finding <laughs> on wife. Her. I think you need to say like open parentheses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But as long as I, oh okay, find the most backward one if you do that. Find yeah, I, I think just most. start with a piece of paper about like what you like about each of them. I don't like it. Just stop. No, no, okay. kidding. Well, no, no, I'm, 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 I'm absolutely joking. Well, that makes it really hard. <laughs> no, no. no. Like, like, the reason I feel the pressure is actually cool is actually because my brother is my, you know, but like that's how one of the rocks of my life. My favorite people in the world. You like him, and you hope that he takes something from what you say. Yeah. Well, we've what the fuck is he talking about? Wife. That that's what I did for my like um like wedding speech. I was just like, okay, well, what's fucking cool about us? Yeah. Well, let's not worry about googling. Let's just you know. I think that's probably yeah. the best way to go. That's totally nice. I also hate, like, 
part of the reason his speech at my wedding was so good was because he didn't really care about the formal wedding. It was good, you yeah. know. Either. But I hate—I'm not really good on sort of ritualistic conventions. Like they the idea. Don't do it. No, 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 no. I don't mind. Yeah. I, I like the idea of talking to the occasion, but I, they're not either. But you know, the idea of like, you know, like, a whole bunch of people are just doing some sort of yeah. bullshit. Yeah, bullshit dance. expectation. I'd like I've to never been good at it. the bridesmaids on how good they look today and uh, how much they brought to the wedding. The father of the bride for raising such a wonderful. Yeah, woman. exactly. What it's was like, the creepiest thing in that speech? Or something uh, really creepy. I don't know. There was some. Uh, I would have to go back into yeah. it, but that's. For Let's not do it. Yeah, <laughs> that's a rabbit hole. We don't need to go down. <laughs> we'll send you some. Links. We're, we're we're halfway down. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> stick us quick up up up. This is what we're about <laughs> to do. What I was going to say though, getting back to sport, was my wife used to work at. Um, a national TV playout facility and oh, yeah. they would do the live cricket so she knows way more about cricket than I ever would because basing it off okay you have to insert ad breaks A ad breaks yeah, B yeah. and it's no formal schedule because it's live and it's sport yeah. so it's like after so many overs or whatever it is you have to insert this length after a yeah. drinks break you have to put this in that kind of thing and so she got so used to watching it for you know they were 12 hour shifts at a time so wow. she'd say an entire game and have to monitor it closely and that's almost like the same thing I did except they didn't yeah, have yeah. to shove ad breaks in there yeah, so, yeah. yeah. well I mean um, I mean cricket uh, you know, it's it's the natural sport for an ad break. Like uh, it's uh, you know, it, most other sports you actually things have to aren't s- happening. You, you actually have to stop the action to insert the ad break. Whereas cricket is like, I'm gonna bowl six balls from this end. Yep. ad break. Six <laughs> balls from this end. Ad break. We'll even put ads on the grass so that yeah, when you're yeah. watching us play, there's still ads. <laughs> actually, that was one of my favourite fucking things when I started um, working tech for the live games. Um, watching the field turning watching the replay and going oh, I didn't know that was on the f- oh that's superimposed <laughs> over the field yeah yeah whoa and then thinking how much technology went into making sure that the advertisement superimposed on the field wasn't on the players and what yeah yeah so it has to be only projected on the screen for something completely stationary and anything moving doesn't pick it up it, it's. It, I mean, I, I, one of the bigger things happening in sport in general is the way in which it is being, you know, reinvented as television product, basically. Mm. You know, mm. and the way in which that's driving the agendas of so many sports and driving. Oh, good. Them. Yeah. You know, it does take the fun out of it just a bit. You know, where you're sort of going, you know. Because if you're if you're selling, you know, major stadiums, how twenty thousand tickets, let's say, whatever it is you're also making way more money off the television thing yeah. because you're selling it to millions of people. Yeah. Yeah. You could not fit that many people in the stadium. I mean, I get that you need to make money to, to produce what you want to produce, but at some point you've got to go, ah, do you need that much money? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It becomes... Well, <laughs> like, I get that money is good, cost. but do you need that much I mean, money? It's, it's pretty extraordinary to think we've gone from... It's basically a sort of generation a bit. Like, it's not that long ago that... In all of the major sporting codes in Australia, let's go back to the 70s, let's say, the players were amateurs. Like they, were, they were pretty much all amateurs. They had a day job. Davo was great on the weekend. Let's get him up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they, were, you know, they were plumbers or they had whatever and they yeah. trained twice a week or whatever. And then you go through, and it was the 90s where it, in Australia, at least the 90s, where it completely yeah. changed with the arrival of pay TV, big bidding wars for the rights, and in turn, you know, in, you know players, we, we, we want our piece of this. To the point where, you know, like you're a kid now and you're signed, you're drafted by a club or you're signed by a club and you're, you know, you're on $100,000, dollars yeah, a year straight out of school. It's too young to have that sort of cash. And on the other side, you know, if you're not careful, it really screws you up. I've been, I've been quite oh, a few yeah. sports people at the end of their careers and it's tough. Like, you know, you said, and, and, you know, I think I remember seeing statistics. And I'm not going to, I'm going to get the number wrong and someone is going to Google it, but the average... <laughs> oh, no, we'll just, like, superimpose it off. The correct, correct number. Correct. I'll just say every number. <laughs> I'll just say every possible number and then you can just edit in the correct oh, no. number. We'll just, like, go... It's like you're recording the train things at Sydney Central. The yeah, exactly. Um, the average career of a professional rugby league player is something in the order of ten games. Like you know, like, mm. like, like you know, I'll just say one, two, three. Come back later and edit them in. More than ten, but I, I completely. Well, there's, a, like there's a, a lot of there's a lot of one game players. Like yeah. that's what skews the average yeah. really low, right? It's, it's so you get you know you get these players. There's a handful of veterans that have had the fortune of being you know. Competitive for a very long time, not being injured, and yeah. you know all of that, and they'll play two hundred, three hundred games in a career. Well, there was someone last week at the the night's first home game. I don't know if it was Jared Mullen or someone like that. They had a two hundredth game, mm. you know, 
like that is a fluke. It's you really rare. It's really rare. And um, you have, I mean, that's that's ten. Basically, it's something in the order of twenty-four-ish games a season. So that's a ten-year career. But that's a ten-year career, assuming you haven't been injured for long periods of that. And the app, you know, the it's it's you get people who have all the promise in the world they spend all their lives training yeah. to be a, I mean this is where the drama comes from you know, training to be a professional sports person they go out and they play their debut game and they break their leg and they never play again yeah well look the, Alex McKinnon was, had a fucking amazing promising career and had certain things conspired and no injury and no certain other circumstances he could play 200 games whatever you know but I, I was at oh, that game you were at that game with my son we were 20 metres away when oh. that happened and it was, it was the first time I'd ever taken him to a game in Melbourne. Oh. And it was like... Um, How the fuck do you explain that to your son? He was too young to really notice. Like, I, mean, also, I mean, like that was, that was the... I found that actually really hard. Like, I mean... Um, I was watching it and they just kept playing the replay of it until they realised how serious it was yeah. and the replays just stopped. We, we were at the ground and we were directly parallel with where it happened and yeah. we were about three rows, four rows back. Like, right, right near it. And... Um, Initially, it didn't. I didn't see much, but then there was this incredible sense of dread that came over. You could, you, could, you know, um, you could except feel, one, you could feel it. To go to, to go back to, to crazy fans, except this yeah. one fucking idiot woman who was like person, person. Sorry, but <laughs> yes, but her gender in this particular case was female. Yeah. But but you know, it, it could have easily have been a guy. But it was um, this one person who was just screaming you know like get up you milk in the penalty and just like you know, it was this sort of moment where everyone else around this person just was crying. like yeah. you just you lost it you don't yeah. you don't get this there is like a fall and then there is what happens yeah. that night um yeah and i i was really distraught and then so we took him back we, we i went to the game last year with him but yeah. i was in two miles i was really 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 cut up about whether that was a good thing to do given what had happened but he didn't have a sense of it he was he was he must have been three and a bit and yeah then, and I think also when I guess that yeah it's probably too young to yeah even, even if you were a little bit older you know the difference when you're on the sideline like that between someone falling over and just spraining their ankle or yeah. someone you know paralyzing themselves until you know you're either right up close or you know you've done your analysis back in the back in the sheds you know you don't really know and you don't really pick that up if you're a kid he's sort of at that age where he's struggling to pay attention to what was going on anyway there's <laughs> just me like, going what a bird where's the plate box yeah 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 can i, I get can like i get more hat. chips yeah <laughs> can i have some lemonade please yeah. lemonade 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 that's what lemonade. it's about half I know. time food yeah, yeah yeah totally but yeah that was that was yeah mm. very confronting yeah i i really do appreciate those guys a lot more now having paid much more attention to it just because seriously as you mentioned they used to have a day job and this used to be their weekend yeah. thing but now even if they play you know a couple of games a season they have to be completely fit and ready to go and yeah. completely trained in that it's like it's like they're that second lot of jurors may or may not never make it to the jury you know it's also so crazy to think that like you know you're 18, 19, 21 or whatever and then someone's throwing that much cash at you yeah like, there's no one in there... I mean, maybe there's some people, but most people are probably going to go fucking nuts if they get that much yeah. cash at that age. Yeah. You're not, like, mentally capable of dealing with that much. Also, the public the public scrutiny thing... I, I think it's like... Okay, so there are, like, sp- sports... There are plenty of sports players that are dickheads and deserve to be condemned for their behaviour. But equally, I think, oh, my God, if I had a camera following me around when I was 18, oh. 19, yeah, for sure. 20, like, every stupid thing I ever did, like, you know, yeah. there was the potential of it. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, it wouldn't look great. No, <laughs> absolutely not. And also, you know, those those precious years before camera phones where they probably yeah. did a lot worse and you didn't know, so you just respected them as footballers and didn't think about the personal yeah. side. You know? The worst that happened is if there was a journal in the pub where you got be- you got beat up or you yeah. lost a fine. At, at the other end, um, I used to live actually not too far from here. I won't I won't name the play, but I, I used to live next to, well, two doors down from a professional rugby league player who was finishing his career and he'd played for Australia. Yeah. He'd come to um, come to Newcastle late in his career, whatever. And then we had him over for dinner. It was obviously he was in his last season, yeah. and he was just that next door neighbour. And um, it was it was it was kind of like talking to 
someone finishing high school about what they're going to mm. do with their career. This was this was before. This was the late 90s, so he'd earned a bit of money on the end of his career just, yeah. just as it had all exploded. Yeah. And he was in a good financial position. But equally, he's like, I don't know. I, I don't know what else to do. Like, I've never done I don't have any trades. I don't have any, I don't have any skills. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, you know, I've got some, you know, I've got some opportunities through my networks or whatever. But, um, you know, to realise someone that, I mean, he'd been playing when I was in high school and I'd look, you know, idolise this guy on television. And then you're suddenly yeah. sitting there having this conversation with him going, oh, right, you, you're, you're really... You know, I guess you kind you're kind of loose end now. You, you're kind in, of you're sheltered in that environment, and he's about to step out into a world he doesn't yeah. know. And, and that's, it, that's what you go through when, say, you're 18. If you go, if you finish high school in year 12, you go, "Fuck, what is my life from here on end? Where do I go?" But yeah. if you're if you're from 18 to 28, 30, or whatever it is you get to in the NRL or in the A League or in cricket or whatever, you, it's hard to work out who you are. Sports are putting more effort... I mean, as they become more professional, they've started to realise the downside of this. So they're putting more effort into getting their players other skills or yeah. setting it up financially yeah. or teaching them... You know, it's become a much more... Like, it went from, like, you had to have a job and life skills because sport didn't pay you to just, yeah. you know, just throw money in the air and party and uh, we'll just, you know, throw you out the other See end and done. It's a little like the art. I guess there's <laughs> some social responsibility that's creeping in now. Like, okay. Yeah, all of, all of the sporting clubs have a sense of that. We need to give something back to you because you probably can't do this for your whole life. And I, I, I always no, think, probably. I think one of the biggest factors that screws you up most is, you know, it's not a great thing to have a huge amount of fame or wealth at a very young age before you've processed your, you know, your yeah. social skills. And yeah. sports people have this as a matter of course, really. Yeah. And they come out the other end. I mean, the other, the other thing that, um, you know, that, that sort of interests me is that, you know, sports people like a lot of artists that I've dealt with. Like, you know, artists, they will train obsessively. They really, you know, they'll do their, they'll do their thing. They, they're constantly trying to refine something that, on one level, if it works out really well, then the you know the public will love what they do. Yeah. But mostly, it's a kind of selfish thing. You're in your own head. You you know constantly of training. It's sort of by the by that it happens. You're like, yeah. Well, yeah, and then you come out the other end of it, and it's like um, you know at least for an artist, you your career doesn't have a artificial cutoff point. Like you yeah, know, you don't wake up one day and you just go, oh, you you're 32, so you're done. You know, or because whatever. It's it's. Uh, that self-perpetuating you keep making the art you keep finding it you keep managing yourself in a certain way and it's not about your physicality no. there's no age cut off you just keep going dancers have that a bit well, like, dancers, dancers are, are the exception yeah. to the rule with that like you know like it's um it's it's kind of weirdly inverted in terms of the career path compared to most other yeah. art forms if you're a dancer you have all the opportunities in the world when you're 20 25 yeah. maybe 30 and then they just dry up and I, I imagine there's some artists though that like go I would like to continue pursuing this like career this, this pursuit that I have that I love but also I want to give my kids food oh, on the shit, table yeah. that need to make yeah, that totally. decision so apart from age I'm sure well, there's also that sort of burden as well yeah oh absolutely you just go this is too hard to keep doing so I've got one other lap of sporting yes. adventures I've done in my my my. my I, I like the drop of the word lap. Then that was well, perfect. I just like, I, 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 so I'm using the word lap a lot lately. I don't know why. So I did this thing in 2008 where I went with um, again. It was another ABC radio thing because it was an excuse to do something that I wanted to do, um, and went and did eight Olympic sports with eight Olympic athletes. Oh fuck me! Really? Yeah, That's and awesome. like to it was it was really 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 insightful like you know like you because the olympics are kind of they're a lot like um they're a lot like a lot of obscure art forms in the sense that you've got these people that for very brief periods of time people get very obsessed with and then ignore for the rest of their lives yeah you know like like, so your average olympic athlete it turns out has spent like i don't know they're, they're 24 they've spent 12 15 years training to do this thing that if they're lucky, they'll get one or two times to do it in their life yeah. when anyone cares. Holy shit. You know, like, you know, like the, you know, if, you're if you want to be expert at peak, peak body time, peak body level, you have to start early. Yeah. And so, you know, like if you're um, a, uh, I, I went and spent time with the Australian women's softball team, right? Now... I don't know if you know that we have an Australian women's softball team. I know team. we have one. Yeah. So mostly you don't pay a lot of attention to the Australian women's softball team because, you know, like, you know, it's just not a sport that registers on that level. 
it turns out when you go and spend time with them, like, well, A, they, they've all mostly given up some sort of day job or other life or whatever to move to a handful of places in Australia where you can train as an elite softballer. Then they went off to the... This was the Beijing Olympics, where I think was the last Olympics before they were oh. about to boot softball out of the Olympics. And it was 2008. It was 2008. Yeah. So, um, and so I went training. And they're just amazing. Like, you know, like oh. I had, you know, um, they, they pitch underarm in softball. And I, you know, I thought, oh, this can't be that hard. I'm standing <laughs> here with a bat. You know, oh, my God, I nearly got killed. Like, I, did, I hit, like, I think I had about 20 pitches thrown at me and accidentally made contact with three of them. Like, me, Marcus, having never trained in this particular sport. <laughs> but, you know, just the pace at which yeah. it was like, oh, my God. And But then you realise, like, um, none of them earn any money. Like, you know, like they, they, well, if they're lucky, they'll get a 20 grand a year 30 grand a year scholarship and maybe some money to go to a few tournaments in the year um, then they'll go to the Olympics and in that year they won the bronze medal at the Olympics so I remember watching that game and you know it rated like one and a half million two million viewers across Australia because it was the Olympics it was Australian women's softball yeah. team everyone got very excited um, and they I think they won the bronze they lost in the, the playoff you know to make the gold medal game and then they won yeah. the bronze and um I just remember I was riding that whole team. I was just, come on, you know, like, do this. Because you realise what they sacrificed. And then yeah. you realise that for a brief moment, they were the highest rating thing in the whole country. The entire country stopped and, you know, like, watched them. And then none of us ever remember having done that before who yeah. they were. And I always and find that so funny that certain sports we would never, ever, ever care about. But the second it's on television yeah. and it's the Olympics, yeah. we're good to go and then we don't care anymore. Which is kind of funny because if you think oh. about like other arts, like music like in particular, you like one band's album and you're like, okay, I'll give that one a go. For life. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, into yeah, that yeah. band. Yeah. I might, there might be some rocky patches, but I'm going to see that through. But like, it's kind of not like that. It's well, very fickle. Well, the, the Olympics were really interesting because they made me realise that, you know, you have those sort of art versus sport discussions all mm, the time. And people yeah. go, oh, yeah, you know, well, sports, they get all the money, they get all the attention, they get all the, you know, whatever. And then, you know, artists, meanwhile, sort of suffer in obscurity. <laughs> I mean, you, with, particularly with Olympic sports, you realise that um, actually they get bugger all attention. Like, oh, yeah. Maybe the swimmers and maybe if you're an elite track and field athlete, right? But beyond that, you know, like Australia won whatever it is. You know, they win 16, 20 gold medals at the Olympics, whatever the number is. Can you remember who any of the others were, what even sports they won it in? But for a brief moment, the entire country just stops to pay attention. And, and so this idea of a career... Yeah, and the idea of a career when, like, if you just happen to be sick on the day that you run the final at the Olympics or you have to be sick on the day that you qualify... For the Olympics? Like we, for the last 15 years. I, 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 I went, Yeah, I just missed it. Four years ago. I don't know if I'm going to be around. You know, like... Holy we, shit. We, we did this... Um, I, went, I went and spent some time with the pole vaulting coach of Steve Hooker who won a gold medal at that Olympic. Steve wasn't there, but the, his coach was there. Yeah. There was a young girl there who was travelling down from Gippsland, which is, I don't know, three hours out of Melbourne. She Two or three nights a week. She, she was 16. She was Australian junior champion pole vault or something. She was travelling... Three hours on the train down to train in Melbourne and then go back. You know, like that's on the that's promise six of something. Hours. Like on the promise of something. Like someone's promised you, you're fucking the best. I, well, she was. She, she was the best. She, yeah. she was she the was. best as an Australian sixteen-year-old. But, like, but, but there was the no promise. one who could coach her within three hours yeah. of where she yeah. lived. And just that incredible dedication. And, and that's two thousand eight. I don't think I've heard of her since. Like no. I don't know. I, I you know I I'd probably have to triple check the records, but the. You know, it's just like I don't think she ever made it to the Olympics, and you know, the thought of how much people sacrifice in those oh, careers God, yeah. for no money and no like you know, and you think, oh, they get all the attention, the recognition, but you think, what does that really for mean? a week? Well, for yeah. a week, when know? I when we're at those games and um, end up being at every home game of the fucking code, you we watch the crowd figures, right? Yeah, and when it hits something like six thousand. It's like, oh, it's a really low turnout. Yeah. And my brain does go to, man, that UMI gig with 500 people would love another 5,500 <laughs> yeah, people yeah. and the money that that brings. But there's a certain amount, even though it's low in Australia, of self-perpetuated passive income of being able to sell your product yeah. and do that kind of thing, off of which you then base your performance. Mm. But athletes, apart from sponsorships, which are rare as hen's teeth in a way... Fuck, man, it's all based on that performance. You have absolutely no other passive income. Yeah, and you also, I mean, away from the competitive team sports, if you talk about a sport that's got, 
you know, so you know, you can name the football codes. You can name cricket. You yeah, can maybe. I mean, in women's sport, netball, you can sort of get a bit of a career in an audience out of that. There's not a lot, like basketball, women's <coughs> basketball, and men's basketball a little bit in Australia. But you get beyond those sports. Yeah, 99% of athletes would kill the pay to play in front of 6,000 people. Like oh, they, course, they, they yeah. never would, yeah. you know, like they would literally, like if you're a gymnast, yeah, you there's the World Championships and the, um, you know, the uh, Olympics and you, you would never get in your career, apart from them, opportunities to play in front of a crowd that size. And I mean, that that's that's comes down to certain way of thinking about, oh yeah, sports get more funny than us, that even I am aware of this, but still thinking, oh yeah, sports... NRL stadium, you know. I, I think what they have in common, and I noticed, I went to the the 2020 summit, which was like you know the this weird thing mm. that Kevin Rudd did years ago, and there was a hundred arts people, but there was also a hundred. Um, there was also a, a stream of I can't. It wasn't sports directly, but it was like um, health and lifestyle. There's a bunch of sports yeah. stars there, whatever. And I sort of walked around like, and I sort of looked across them and went, "Wow, you guys are all really." You know, you guys have all the money and the glamour and whatever. And then I'm looking at the art stream and there's people like Hugh Jackman and, you know, yeah. you know, like, and, and everyone's looking at us and going, wow, you've got all the glamour people in your stream and I'm looking over to yeah. these sports stars in the other stream. And I just suddenly realised that like, they, the, the paths are actually quite similar, which is yeah. you've got, basically you've got in both both areas you've got people that have spent all their life training for whatever it is they're doing they've probably sacrificed a lot and you've got a small number of people who are mega stars in what they do yeah. and they are 5% 10% whatever of the whatever it may be there's probably more of them in sport but they churn through them very quickly in sport too you know mm. like someone who plays you know uh, 20 games for a sporting team will be doing great for those 20 games and then disappear again yeah. um, but they just have the same pattern which is that you know you've got um, an intense amount of intention, attention on a small number of people whilst most of the rest of them are just doing this weird thing that is somewhere between selfish and selfless. Like They're incredibly willing to dedicate a huge amount of effort to doing this thing that um, essentially is because they're it's obsessed a with it. Yeah, it's they're a obsessed with it, but other people might become obsessed with it too and, yeah. and be impressed by it. You know? And we just got the five minute call by the way because the pub is closing but um, I like that we've got like a comedy red light like okay <laughs> the there's a hoop about to come and drag me off <laughs> thank you for coming and talking sports and your various vicarious uh, situations with thank, sports thanks, thanks for having me <laughs> uh, if people want to find out more about uh, your writing your work what you do in general I have a blog at marcuswestbury.net which I update very very rarely um, I'm on Twitter as Unsung Songs and on Instagram with the same name, Unsung Songs. And if you can uh, find me there, you probably care out with most of what I'm up to. And if you want to find us, splittingcases.com has all the links to everything. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Please.